All right, welcome. Uh, today we move into uh, the creed. We have not exhausted everything before, but uh, we're pressing forward with uh, the divine liturgy. Let us open with prayer. Stir up, we beseech thee, thy power, O Lord, and come, that by thy protection we be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and saved by thy mighty deliverance, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Is everybody warming up? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we are. <laughs> All right. So um, today, as uh, as mentioned previously, uh, we'll be looking at the creed. Now, the creed um, usually you think of that in the singular, right? Um, but we will be looking a little bit at the apostles Nicene and Athanasian, or at least talking about them, introducing them a little bit more. Uh, probably after the break, uh, depending how we are on time. Um, but uh, creed, and this is from the glossary, it's from the Latin for I believe. Words of faith confessing the teachings of Holy Scripture. The three ecumenical creeds, of course, are the Apostles, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed. Generally speaking, uh, you know, we, we have been alternating uh, between the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed Sunday. So usually it's, uh, if you're interested in the pattern, it's usually the first, third, and fifth will be the Nicene. And then the second and fourth would be the Apostles. There's no really rhyme or reason for that except kind of confessing both of them uh, throughout. The Athanasian Creed predominantly is, is reserved for uh, Trinity Sunday. But I may, may have mentioned this that some congregations speak it maybe quarterly, you know, maybe more frequently too, which I, I think is actually not a bad practice, even though the Athanasian Creed is quite lengthy. Um, it, it's, it's, it's quite profound and very, uh, very, uh, very distinct and clear with reference to the persons of the Trinity in distinguishing them uh, one from the other. And uh, of course, as, as we as we'll look at it a little bit later, you know, it's, you know, uh, there are, there's one Lord, not three Lords, one God, not three gods. And then there's explanation or expression of the persons of the Trinity. The Father did not die. Jesus died. The Holy Spirit did not. And, and so on and so forth. So we might have an opportunity to, uh, to look more thoroughly at that a little bit later. You see uh, that, that word confess in Matthew's gospel, the 10th chapter, where Jesus says to his disciples, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny me before my Father who is in heaven. You might recall also in John's Gospel, the first chapter, we have John the Baptist on the scene. So you might recall in John 1, there, John the Baptist is on the scene and the Pharisees are asking John, um, why do you baptize? 
why do you do these things? Um, because they ask him, are you the Christ? And he says, no. Are you one of the prophets? No. Are you Elijah? No. Then why do you baptize? And he says, I am a voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. What, what's intriguing about that, and I'd like you to turn to John 1, you know, by way of expression uh, for that. Um, beginning at verse 19 of John 1, the Jews had sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem. So not Pharisees, but priests and Levites. And they asked, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. All right, so, uh, you know, we, 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 we see these words even here. And actually, what, what's really interesting, and I, I don't know, um, it, it certainly has relevancy in other parts of the world today. But that word um, confess, and specifically that word testimony, which is the noun, confess is the verb, but that word testimony is, does anyone know the word other than, uh, than Pastor Blazik? That word for testimony is technically martyr. Is what? Martyr. Martyrs. Witness. Witness. Yeah, so whoever martyrs before me, whoever confesses, well, actually, that's, that's the, the, the Greek. Um, that's probably ex homologeo or homologeo. Um, but the word for testimony is martyr. Martyr, um, which is which is really intriguing because that's what a, that's what a martyr did. They confessed Christ, even unto the death. And uh, I don't know that that's something that the church is always busy about doing because that's what she is about, right? Living for Christ means means confessing Christ's name and all that that means uh, in 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 various times in various places. Okay, whether it be during a pandemic or whether it be during a non-pandemic, whether it be a, be a, you know during a disaster or when there's peace, so to speak, in the world. Um, so the, these creeds are statements of belief based on the teachings of Holy Scripture. All right. Let's see, I'm trying to figure this out. There we go. Okay, so in the Bible, um, examples of creeds in the Bible, um, and I don't know if you, you probably don't have these on your, um, there, there's a little, uh, if, has anyone of you used PowerPoint before? Yeah. If you've ever used PowerPoint, you know you can hide slides, right? I thought I hid this one. <laughs> so, um, but actually, uh, you know, we, we, we certainly can take a look at it. 1 Corinthians 12.3. Uh, we could also look at Matthew 16 also, but let's, uh, for the sake of time, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Because this is uh, considered to be one of the earliest creeds uh, after uh, Jesus ascended into heaven. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. And if you find it, um, feel free to read it. Not all at once, of course, but uh, just one. Verse 3. Yep. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Okay. There's a guy who 
Phillips to talk to you. Okay, I can't I talk to right him. Yeah. In 30 minutes, he could probably talk to you, but okay. he's uh, needs needs to borrow some money, and he's anyway. Okay, it, it's a long story. I just listened to it. Okay, so. all right, all right. Thank you, Sylvia. Um, yeah. So the words I want to draw your attention to, of course, for with reference to the creed, um, three words in the English: Jesus is Lord. That was the creed. Jesus is Lord. Um, what what I find fascinating about this is, uh, you know, that word uh, Lord. In the Greek, it's kurios. Okay, why do I even mention that? Well, it's, it's really interesting because J, or Jesus, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Uh, this word kurios in the Greek New Testament is often used in the Greek Old Testament for, guess what? Lord. Yahweh. The Lord God, right? Um, so, if, if, you know, putting the two together... I would suggest uh, very strongly that to say Jesus is Lord, no one can say that except by the Holy Spirit, because no one can say Jesus is God except by the Holy Spirit. You would think otherwise than he's just a man or a good person or a good prophet. But by means of the Holy Spirit, who gives the faith to believe that Jesus Christ actually is God in the flesh, that's the work of the Spirit. So John 1, for example, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's John 1, 1. If you look at John 1, 14, the Word, which is God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And that word for dwelt is also intriguing because it means tented or tabernacled. Maybe you might be thinking if I say tabernacle, you might be thinking Old Testament, glory of God stuff. You'd be right. God, Jesus Christ, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And um, we beheld his glory as, as John continues to say. All right. Um, just uh, very briefly, I, I, I'll just uh, make reference to Matthew 16. That's where Jesus says, who, who do men say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ of God. That's also a confession, a creed. Now, with, with reference to the, uh, the, the Jesus is Lord creed, if we call it that, in, the, in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, it becomes insufficient because of false teaching. Um, so a little bit later on, as we talk about uh, the creeds a little bit later, um, we'll, we'll talk just very uh, briefly, you know, at least uh, partially of, uh, and generally of, uh, of their formation. Because if, if I say, for example, if one says Jesus is Lord, and if you're in a group of uh, people who have different beliefs, they may also be able to agree with you, right? We know that Jews deny Jesus Christ as the Messiah, but could they say Jesus is Lord? 
It all depends on what you mean by Jesus, what you mean by is, what you mean by Lord. Um, I think Muslims hold Jesus in high regard, if I'm not mistaken. And they too might be able to say Jesus is Lord. I know Jehovah's Witnesses can say Jesus is Lord, but they mean something entirely different, right? Or Mormons. Or other groups, you know, that have uh, different beliefs uh, concerning, concerning the Christ. Um, so, so the church, in her uh, wisdom, as, as the Lord moved her to do, uh, continued to clarify and clearly confess who Jesus Christ is for the sake of salvation. And we'll, we'll talk more about that at, at, uh, a, a little bit later uh, today. All right. So I, I think, yeah, this is on uh, where do we derive what we believe? You know the answer right away, right? The B-I-B-L-E, right? The Bible. Yeah, not, not, uh, not the, the uh, you know, the mandates or the, uh, the words of any single person in the church or outside the church, but Scripture itself. Okay, so let's, let's look at a few passages here. Um, concerning where we derive what we believe from. Psalm 119, verse 160. You know, you might, you might recognize that Psalm 119 is a pretty long, lengthy psalm, right? Um, psalm 119. One sixty. We might also think of 105 as you're looking at that, and that is uh, 105, you know, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Could someone read 160, please? All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Okay, yeah. The ESV has the sum of your word is truth. Are you where are you reading from? What's translation? I think it's NIV. NIV, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the sum of your word is truth, and we see that uh, in various other places too. Um, let's look at Matthew seventeen five. Someone read that, please. Yeah, note that word, listen to him. And of course, this is Peter, James, and John with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, as we sometimes refer to it as. Um, and they heard this voice. You know, listen to what Jesus says. Um, so, for example, when he says, for example, they start coming down the mountain and uh, Jesus tells the disciples that the Son of Man would be betrayed and be handed over and that he would be crucified and rise again the third day. Um, you know, and he did that. Uh, Jesus told them a number of times they were to hear that and believe the word. So if you recall, especially in Matthew's gospel, when the women came to the tomb on Easter Sunday, and they were wondering, where is Jesus? 
the angel reminded them, remember what he said to you? Uh, you know, he is risen just as he had said. They were to listen to him. So really, like even on the night of, uh, you, know, on, uh, you know, when he died, and on the, the night of his resurrection, did the Jews, did, did the disciples have any reason to fear? Did they have any reason to lock themselves behind closed doors? According to Jesus' words, no. And yet we know that they did, and, and Jesus, of, of course, uh, not only encouraged them in the faith, but strengthened them, and appearing to them, um, said, Peace be with you, which is forgiveness. All right. Um, how about uh, we look at John 17? And we'll be in John for just a little bit. And then uh, when you find it, uh, please someone read verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but those words are read in my Bible. All right. So that means that uh, indicates that Jesus spoke them uh, to his father. His words are truth. Um, Jesus also says in John's Gospel as well, John 6, uh, you know, the, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Remember John 14, verse 6, uh, you know, uh, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's also the account in uh, when, when Jesus and is being, how should I say, interrogated by Pilate, and uh, and that's you know one of the one of the times Pilate says to Jesus, "What is truth?" Ironically, truth was standing right in front of him, right? Um, but but he said that. John twenty verse thirty one. Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. These. Yeah. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But we're trying to tone down the Alleluia's, right? For the. Yeah. How about um, let's let's look at Acts chapter seventeen. Uh, verse 11. When you find it, just go ahead and read out loud, please. Somebody? These were more fair minded than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So Paul and Silas were preaching. And they were in Berea, and they went to the Jewish synagogue, and of course then the Jews who heard, heard what Paul and Silas were saying, and they tested it according to what the scriptures said. What scriptures do you think they're writing about? Okay, yeah, that's that's one. I, I, and I'm, maybe I should ask, generally speaking, what scriptures are they talking about? 
the Old or New Testaments? Yeah. Yeah, the Old Testament. Because very likely the New Testament had not been written yet. Right? Um, so they, they, they checked what was being said with the very Word of God, which they also were claiming to be preaching. Christ having fulfilled them. All right? And then one last one for this is uh, 2 Timothy for the first question. For 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. What does that say? What's amazing about this text, among other things, too, is, is how in verse 15, notice the connection between the sacred writings, the scriptures, and what else? Salvation. Salvation. You might... Rec- What's that? Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, uh, you know, we, we, we think of this, oftentimes we don't think of, uh, or many I should say, don't, don't really consider the Old Testament as, as a book that's speaking about salvation, right? Because we usually think of the New Testament as the text which identifies Jesus Christ as the one who has fulfilled the Old Testament promises, who is the Messiah and the like, but it's based on the Old Testament and what the Old Testament, what God gives in the Old Testament, um, that God gives the Old Testament focused on Jesus to come. Um, in Romans chapter three, there's a there's a really intriguing place, and we we hear it every every uh, Reformation Sunday when it's observed, of course. And that is, you know, a righteousness from God apart from the law, even from the law and the prophets. If you remember that, there's a phrase there in Romans chapter three. Which, again, that refers to the Old Testament. Let's see. Oh, yeah. But now the right, and this is verse 21 if you're interested. Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So thus, even in the Old Testament, righteousness before God was through faith, not by works. According to this passage and, and, and others. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.15 draws our attention to the fact that salvation is of God revealed in the Holy Scriptures, both Old and New Testaments, not just the New. Um, so the, the, the question then might be, okay, what did the Old Testament saints of God have to go on they had to go on the promises that God spoke right we'll hear more about that tonight actually um, from Genesis 3 but really is it any different for us what do we have to go on yeah yeah revealed in Jesus Christ right 
you know, God in flesh, the Word incarnate. May I ask, in 2 Timothy 3.15, yeah. where it says, how from child, from childbirth, or from youth, yeah. is that literally from when a person is born, or is it more figuratively when they become a Christian? I would say neither, actually. Because Paul is writing to Timothy, all right, so if you notice, um, you know, how from childhood you have been acquainted, okay, this is ESV, have been acquainted with the sacred writings. But if you read a little bit uh, before that, um, you know, you, you, you hear about uh, Timothy's uh, grandmother. Um, Yeah, so I'm I'm looking for it here, but uh, it, it might be elsewhere. But but remember, Paul is writing to Timothy, so when he writes, from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, he was taught, I think it was by Lois, right? He was taught the Holy Scriptures. He was taught the Old Testament. And, uh, you know, we, we also know of others in the Acts of the Apostles, for example, who knew the Old Testament, and when they said Jesus... You know, they immediately saw the connection. You know, um, and uh, I, I think wasn't it Apollos? Am I am I thinking right? Using the name, like I, I think Apollos uh, was one who knew the Old Testament and he preached Christ from the Old Testament, even though he only knew the baptism of John. You know, kind of thing. Um, so it's it's all there, but but you know, sometimes it can be. Uh, um, it can be somewhat difficult when we hear other people say different things about a text, you know, from childhood. Well, what do you say, for example, if, well, I didn't grow up, I mean, I did grow up in a Christian home, but if somebody didn't grow up in a Christian home, well, how can they say that? Well, that's, you know, Paul writing to Timothy, you know, these words. So we have to kind of consider the context as well in which he's speaking. And of course, uh, you know, the question, why is this important? Why is it important to derive what we believe from the Bible? Because that's what we're basing our salvation on. Mm-hmm. It's a lie. We're yeah. basing our salvation on a lie, and we're not saved. Yeah. And then there, there's... there's. What's that? 2 Timothy 5 is about Eunice and Lois. Okay. Thank you. Let's uh, go back to John 3. John 3, verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned. Already because he has not believed in the name of God, one of his sons. Yeah. You know, we, we, we uh, you know, you know, especially during this time of Advent um, and during the last few Sundays of the church here, we might think only of the judgment to come, but not the fact that one who does not believe now is condemned. One who believes now is justified. It's not just in the future. You know, and that's why um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Today. You know, each day. And it, it, it can be very challenging. Um, in, in fact, there were those, like in, in 2 Peter, 
Um, Peter writes about those who scoff at, uh, at, at God's word, saying he's coming quickly. Where is the promise of his coming? You know, things continue as they always have, right? Um, you know, it, it'd be really easy to look at like Matthew 24 when Jesus is speaking about, you know, wars and rumors of wars. You know, they, they've always been, right? And they still are. So, you know, we, we can get very impatient. But God, uh, you know, in his mercy, you know, also calls us to, to watch, you know, and, and to be uh, ready for his coming. And how are we ready? Apart from faith. We're not. Apart from faith in what God himself reveals, what God himself gives. Okay, let's stay in John 3. Let's look at verse 36. Yeah, notice, uh, notice the verb tenses. In verse 36, okay, just a, a grammatical question. That word believes, is that in the past, the present, or the future? Yes. <laughs> no one wants to say? Present, present okay. <laughs> All right, just making sure. Yeah, and then we have kind of a future. Whoever does not obey the Son, who does not hear Him, shall not see life, but the wrath of God and this is present, remains from the ESV, remains on him. Okay, it has to do with faith. Um, I might ask the question now, does it really matter what you believe? Well, not if you want to go to hell. Yeah. Yeah, there's an exclusive, I guess maybe I'll use this term, there's an exclusive membership. Which way? Christianity, right? You know, so another way of saying that, you know, Jesus himself said, broad is the way, you know, easy and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. But uh, difficult and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few find it, right? Um, so, yeah, you know, those, and, and, you know, that, that brings to mind another commonly used statement today, um, which. I don't know, what, what is your reaction to this? Well, everybody, all religions teach the same thing anyway. Have you heard that before? Or something to that effect? Well, they may seek it, but that doesn't mean that they get it. Well, one way. Right. Yes, I heard that said all, what was it? It wasn't all roads. It was like, yeah, we're all seeking the same thing, and all roads lead to heaven. And mm-hmm. I heard that said in Presbyterian Church mm-hmm. in Denver, Colorado, and I went, what is this guy preaching? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 How, how, how would you how would you specifically respond to, to someone who says, well, you know, all religions, you know, teach the same thing, don't they? No, they don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If someone says that, um, you know, I, I've heard that said too a number of times. You know, all religions teach the same thing. Either the person has studied all the religions and they know for with absolute certainty, but even if they have studied all the religions and they say that, they're still wrong because they they have not 
uh, checked out what they actually say. Because you can't have you, you can't have someone saying Jesus Christ is not God and agree with someone who says Jesus Christ is God. Right? Um, and even, you know, speaking of Presbyterians and, and other Christian denominations, there is a difference between saying this is the true body and blood of Christ that I receive uh, in the Lord's Supper. That is very different from saying, I don't receive Christ's body and blood. I receive a representation or a symbol of. There is a difference between saying, I receive forgiveness of sins in this sacrament given to me by God himself, compared to or in contrast to uh, saying, I don't receive forgiveness of sins. This is only a remembrance kind of thing. There is a huge distinction, a huge difference. Um, and, and sadly, many just, you know, either overlook or in, in, uh, in kind of a similar vein, seeing it as not important. But this has to do with the very word of God. Yeah. Somebody told me that, um, and I know it's not right, that the Quran and the Bible are so similar. They're almost the same. And that Hammurabi spoke. Yeah, the Ten Commandments. Well, yeah. that's what they tell you in history books because he existed before Moses well, and, and he established this law. And so, some a lot of secular historians say that the Ten Commandments come from Hammurabi's code, which is but basically, I think, just like a civil kind of code. But I think he taught us once that uh, they don't have that thing in there about covenant, though, because that's yeah. And and you know there there is debate. I, I guess uh, you know I, I th this was years ago. I came across this, but uh, you know some would say that the Code of Hammurabi, they, the the claim is that it came before you know the Ten Commandments, and the Ten Commandments derived or originated from the Law Code of Hammurabi. Um, but you know the, the the fact that the law of God is in the heart. You know I mean every it, it, it's. It's fascinating to me that, that every, every society in some way, shape, or form does have rules and laws. Mm -hmm. Every civilized society. Yeah. Except yeah. Except Somalia. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, yeah, I've come, come across this that, you know, like sometimes we'll say, well, they have no ethics. You know, some will say that about certain groups. And I would, I would, I would say that they do have ethics. Their ethics are just very different and wrong. <laughs> You know, so, you know, even, even uh, you, you've heard of cannibals. They have laws, too. <laughs> right? It, it's just that they're corrupted. Yeah. The cannibal you know? will eat brave man. They don't want to eat a coward. Yeah. <laughs> because they don't want to get that, don't want to get that <laughs> characteristic yeah. of being a coward. You are what you eat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? You are what you eat. So when I encounter a cannibal, I'm going to scream my head off. I'm a coward! <laughs> One of the one of the big differences, though, between the law code of Hammurabi or any other law codes, as they were, and the law of God, is that the law of God, the Ten Commandments, that is the perfect law of God, and it's it's not uh, 
you know, fundamentally, and, and you kind of get this from uh, Matthew 5 as well, uh, which we've been studying, you know, reading in, uh, in Lutheran catechesis, uh, but, but Matthew 5, you know, is, is not just about, quote, doing the right thing, but being the right person in the right state and condition. And so the law of God, you know, this is how you will live as my people. But notice you're my people first. It's not just a, it's not about keeping the law in order to be perfect. But the law code of Hammurabi and so many others, I, I know in Allah, in, in Muslim or in Islam, to use the correct wording, uh, in, in Islam, Allah is merciful, they claim, but you can never know that you're in Allah's favor. And, and in, uh, in, in Catholicism too, um, you can never be certain of God's grace and mercy to you in Christ Jesus because it's not dependent fully and completely on Him, it's on you. It's not on Christ. The same way with Islam, the same way with Judaism, the same way with uh, Mormonism, the same way with Jehovah's Witnesses, it's not based on Christ alone. Which is in contrast to, of course, the true religion, uh, which is the Christian, Christian faith. Okay, one more before break, Romans 10. Romans 10, verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? All right, yeah. And then, I mean, if we continue, of course, then Paul says, how are they to preach unless they are sent? Right? Um, but yeah, and this has to do, of course, with, you know, Believing and uh, and hearing, hearing and then believing. In the same chapter, uh, verse seventeen, Paul writes, "Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ." You know, so not not just anybody's word, uh, not just anybody's message, but but God's word, the preaching of Christ. So I mean, this is you know in. in John chapter 11, verse 25, of course, that's the account of Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead. You know, Jesus uh, says, I am the way, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. And then he asked Martha, do you believe this? She says, yes. I believe that you are the Christ. You know, so um, it has to do with faith, but not a generic faith, not a faith in just anything but a faith centered on Jesus Christ. And that's what the creeds are all about. Um, speaking rightly of Christ, confessing his name, and also, of course, you know, uh, acknowledging, recognizing, confessing God the Father, God the Son. Not three gods, but one God. And, and I, I would uh, commend to you that this will, this will distinguish Christians from non-Christians very readily. Um, and you know the extent of Christ's uh, Christ, the extent of Christ's work on the cross and his uh, living the perfect life also um, will distinguish between various Christians and church bodies too. 
Um, I, I just, uh, I'll, I'll close with this, but the other day um, I was listening to Relevant Radio again um, just to hear what they had to say. They were talking about purgatory. And uh, I, I, was, I was kind of upset. And uh, I don't know, the juices were flowing because uh, one, one, one caller had called in and the priest was, uh, was on the other line or a priest was on the other line and, and she said, you know, I, and I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting because the question she asked is, um, you know, the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross, and by his blood we are, we are cleansed of all our sin. And, uh, you know, she had asked this question, and, you know, I, I would think, okay, immediately the priest is going to say, yeah, he covered everything. The priest said no. And then he actually said, and, and, uh, and in his didn't really 100% surprise me because I know they have a teaching uh, of Mary as co-redemptrix with Christ. Um, but the priest said that we, we uh, you know, are co-redeemers with Christ. In other words, he, he saves us, but we have to kind of keep it going or add to it. And that's how we're sure of our salvation. But even that is not sure. Um, because he, he uh, you know... There are a few other, uh, you know, um, comments and callers and the like, but and he would use the word hope, but kind of hope, it sounded like in the sense of uncertainty. Whereas we speak in the sense of hope, and when Scripture speaks of hope, it's not uncertain at all. This is a confidence. You know, we hope for what we do not see. We're sure of it because of what God Himself has said. But, but it was really, it's really sad because uh, I, I think some still have the view that Catholicism as a whole is still you know, uh, preaching the right way to heaven. They're not. Because then the priest said, it's actually on you. And it, it just, I, I mean, I, I was thankful that he was so clear in stating that, uh, but, but also uh, very, oh, how should I say, um, disconcerted to say the least, uh, because these people believe that, and it's so sad. In the end, it doesn't really matter to them what the Bible says because they have tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. The crazy pope. Right. He's getting crazy yeah. about it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I quit watching the whole thing. But there was a real good on like two or three posts back. John Paul II. John Paul. Oh, but back. he was a but big Mary devotion guy. He yeah. yeah. Serious devotion to Mary. Well, that was he can do that. Not that I agree with him, <laughs> but the things he did practice. That's why Martin Luther made such a big deal about about not not work, working the not trusting in the Bible alone. Yeah. To say the Pope said and the Church says, yeah. and he said, "You show me where it says that in the Bible." And they couldn't do that. Right. And yeah. that's. That, that didn't stop. Yeah. It didn't change. It's one thing to say, uh, yeah, we, we take our stance on the Bible, but the moment you move away from the Bible, you're no longer taking your stance on the Bible. 
Okay. You know, so I mean, it, it, it would be fairer just to be honest and say, you know, I don't see this in the Bible, but we believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's a lot different from saying, okay, God says this, and we say, well, where is that again? Yeah, okay. I can shut it. Kind of thing. So, all right. Um, they had, they, I mean, they put all this credence to people that say they had visions that said this, that, the other. <laughs> I mean, that's just, um, yeah. I mean, how can you have a any kind of a discussion? Their basis is so different. Yeah. You know, well, and they really, see a, they see an outline of Jesus in the snow. And, oh, I know. And Something else is going on. Let's take a break. So if you continue talking, but we'll meet back in a few. <laughs>